Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. And this is something that we get to do to worship a living God that is moving and active in our lives. And it's one of the ways that not only do we get to worship Him, but we get to declare who he is by our agreement with what his word tells us. So I do have a question for those that have participated in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. One day you want more. I think kind of the danger of doing 21 days of kind of a dedication to things of God is that you think I'm done. Um, and really, hopefully, the 21 days of prayer and fasting is more about stirring a hunger in you uh, about what you want to continue doing than a event or a time period that we have. So my, my encouragement to you is that if something was different because of things that you did during this 21 days, uh, I encourage you to keep going. Like, don't stop. I mean, you may change some of the things. Uh, some of you are probably excited to eat things that you haven't eaten um, for three weeks. Three weeks, some of you may have other things that you've said no to. But the, what I will encourage you on is that if you've said yes to Jesus through his word, meaning you've been in his word this 21 days, don't stop. Um, and on the table out front, we went through and I tried to get more the first week. So uh, we encourage um People at Reach to read the one-year Bible, and not that that's the only thing that you can do. But uh, we have physical copies of that, so I think I have like 12 copies out front. They're free. You can grab one. And if we run out and we have people that are interested, I'll get more. Um, they just were out of stock. I guess it's the beginning of January. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I need a one-year Bible, uh, and they were gone. So it took a week to get them here, so there's one out front. If you would like that, I find it nice. Um, I have a chair that I sit in the morning, and my one-year Bible sits on the coffee table right in front of it, and it's there and um, next to my reading glasses. Anyone else? Can I get an amen? Uh, 40s hit me hard. Uh, I thought, you know, I will see clearly forever, and that is um, I can still see this as long as there's good light, but... So um, today we're going to wrap up our four weeks of follow, uh, the art of discipleship. And if you've missed them all, that's quite all right. Uh, one, they're online. Two, I'll give you what we've done so far. One is that discipleship isn't, op- isn't an option. So there isn't get saved and then become a disciple. Our salvation is a movement from not being a disciple into being a disciple. And that's what we've been talking about the last four weeks is that if we are a disciple, a disciple follows a master and our master is Jesus. And if we're going to be disciples, we should follow. And in following, we should be changed. Not perfectly. No one in this room, including the Yahoo with the microphone, has got it all figured out. And as much as Greg says, I'll answer all your questions at Pizza with Pastor, I will answer all the questions that I know how to answer and what I don't know, I will find out. Or I'll bring Greg in and he'll answer them all. Uh, I think he pretty much volunteered to be there to answer all the tough ones. So I'll just look and be like, Greg, what do you think about that? But the key is, is that we should be following and in our following, things should change. So week two, we talked about if we're going to follow Jesus The following of Jesus puts us in a position that we produce fruit. 
And, and we should be, and I, I'm going to talk about a different type of fruit today, but we should be changing to becoming more like Christ. And if we're not, then we need to make sure that we're following the right thing. And last week we talked about that if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, then our following of Jesus will learn us to love like he loves. He literally says, my disciples will be known by how they love others. And these are hard statements, and when they don't match what we are, then we should, we should you know, kind of look and go, am, am I even on the right path? Am I, am I following the right Messiah? Because <laughs> honestly, uh, a lot of our Messiahs uh, are spelled S-E-I-L-F, self. We're, we're looking to ourself. We have a gospel. It's always dangerous when I spell things because I don't spell very well. Uh, but self is the word I was going for. <clears throat> and we've got to make sure that we're following the right Christ. And part of that is it will be seen in us. If we're not changing, we've got to be looking at what are we doing wrong. What do we need to do to make sure that we're being changed? Let me define this. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about that mission. But to have a mission, you have to have the right gospel. I've been listening to this guy, um, Bill Hull. Uh, you may not have heard him. I'll remind you at the end. He's written like 20 books on discipleship. Um, and he's got some great stuff. I've not read them all. So anytime I recommend an author, it's always risky. I'm like, and I read this one book that he wrote, and I'm like, anyway, uh, what I've listened so far, I love. He actually has this quote here. It says, um, the gospel you proclaim determines the disciple you produce. And let me say it. He said it a different way. He said, the gospel a person believes determines the disciple, the, the type of disciple they'll become. The danger in our American culture is we preach salvation without discipleship. And not it's done intentionally. It's not like churches are going, hey, we just want to get people saved. It's just we leave out part of what God has called us. And really, we leave out the whole thing. And so we had this interesting thing is sometimes we talk about what we're going to talk about today is making disciples. Plug for Greg's group. Uh, if it doesn't fill up, you can jump in on that. And he, that's what his whole class is about. So if this excites you, Greg's group, the Miller's group is the place to go. But the problem is, is that sometimes we started talking about disciples without talking about what gospel we're calling people to. And so if we have a culture that says that people can get saved and not be a disciple, what is the pressure for us to create disciple makers and create disciples? There isn't necessarily, um, but that's also not a gospel that lines up with what the Bible tells us to. We should be people that are called to the gospel that proclaims um, what God proclaims, which is a kingdom that he serves. Uh, and the kingdom is not about the self, it's about the other. So let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, I just pray that right now as we talk about our calling to be on mission. Lord, I pray that you would root out any false gospels that we're buying into. That we can have a piece of you, but not the whole thing. That we can have salvation in heaven, but miss this opportunity that you've 
called us to, to know you and to be changed by you and to get on your mission. And Lord, that doesn't happen without a change in our heart. So Lord, as we read your word, as we talk about the call to make disciples, Lord, I pray that you would change us. And Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that if we've sat on the sideline for years, Lord, that guilt or shame wouldn't keep us from getting in the game. Lord, we want to be your disciples because being your disciples is where that abundant life comes from. Lord, there is no, per, there is no producing fruit without being connected to you, and we want that. We desire that. So, Lord, speak to us through your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to be on mission? We talked about this very first week when we started talking about this idea of follow. Jesus' first invitation to follow was also followed up in the same exact text for mission. In Matthew 4, verses 18 and 19, it says, While... Walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice them. Uh, And we talked about the weirdness of that statement. Um, We know it because we've been in and around church for a while, and we kind of get the idea. But if someone walked up to you in your job and said, hey, I'm going to take what you do, and I'm going to make it into this something else, that you're not going to fish fish anymore, you're going to fish people, which is weird. Let's just admit that. That's strange. Um, But Jesus was setting... um, From the beginning, and he says this all throughout his preaching, talking about his kingdom, something bigger than just this moment of following. But he tells them that he's going to give them a mission before they even knew what was going on. And the beauty of it is, is that Jesus spends three years with these disciples that he handpicked and they messed it up over and over and over again. So for those going, man, I just I can't get this right. You know, is there grace? Yes, there's grace. And even after he did exactly what God told him he would do, which is deny him, Jesus came back to Peter and set him in. And what did he tell him to do? He said, if you love me Feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And not to get into that, but uh, Jesus kept saying one really, you know, kind of powerful word for love, agape. He kept saying like the total commitment to love. And Peter kept giving him this other love. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can do this amount of love. And Jesus kept asking for this. And at the end, he just basically says, just love. Where you're at right now. And, and what I'd like to say with that is that, Even though you may not understand the mission, and even though what I'm getting ready to talk about for the next 20, 30 minutes is going to be anxiety-driven for some people, to think I've got to talk to people, and then I've got to really open up my life in front of them, because if you're going to lead someone, you have to kind of be going in this journey together, and you're going to be having these conversations. They didn't know what it was, but they still, Jesus still didn't have an issue telling them this is why he called them. And guess what? The very last thing that Jesus said to these same disciples, uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, it's called the Great Commission. It's, it's, it's been the mission from the beginning. So verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples 
went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And I love this, but some doubted. Okay. Like, instead of feeling people with anxiety and, and pressure, like these are the 11 that witnessed his ministry, saw him raise people from the dead, saw him touch lepers and heal them, saw the woman with the issue of the blood be, be healed and cleaned. They saw blind people see. They saw it all. They saw him die a death and be put in a tomb, and they saw him after he came out of the tomb, and still they doubted. I don't think Jesus is afraid of your doubts. I think Jesus is all right, and like not to, I feel like I'm side-noting this whole thing, but Jesus had this conversation, um, and doubting Thomas, Thomas was like, he had told the other disciples, until I see it with my own eyes and touch it with my own hand, I will not believe, and then he has an encounter with Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He doesn't ridicule, he doesn't mock him, he calls him over and says, hey, touch, experience, believe. And maybe Thomas is still one of those guys that's struggling with it. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, that wasn't necessarily so before he remedied the issue of sin. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 19 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some of you may be like, well, these were his apostles. Of course, he's going to give them this great mission. This is not a commission that was just given to the apostles and the pastors, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. This was a mission that was given to the church that now gets to live in and through the power of the Holy Spirit to do the mission that God has called them to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And I have gave the apostles, which is the ones that we just heard, gave them the mission, Spoke it to them directly. Uh, And I gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Here's where the nitty-gritty happens. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, Um, if you love Jesus, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but if you love Jesus and said, hey, I'm your disciple, saint. I know we we don't wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a saint. Because they're going to look at you in the face and go, no. Uh, but we are, we, we are, we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of the Christ, until we obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about to every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness in, the, in, in deceitful schemes. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that none of us are going to argue in the room that we've arrived at that place. Has the church arrived at the place that we are unified behind one purpose? Or even unified behind one truth? 
You could walk in lots of doors of churches and they may be they may proclaim the name of Jesus, but preach a completely different gospel. There are even other groups aren't Christian that they use the name of Jesus uh, and they they lift him high and, and talk about it. But it's not the same Jesus that we are declaring the same Jesus that gave these words. So he gave us this mission, and he's given us this, really, job as the church to help equip you, which I'm just going to say without anybody going, oh, we're not doing the greatest job. Let's just be honest. One of the reasons we've got a discipleship class, one of the reasons we're doing other things behind the scenes is because we're trying to take a more serious part in this job that God's called us to. It's difficult. And if we're going to get better, it is not just meaning that we're going um, to do all the work. Honestly, if we're going to get better, it's going to be some of you in this room that are going to catch fire for the mission that God has placed on you as a believer and get in the game. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, there's this other scene that happens, and it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the dangerous part of pulling out of memory. Um, This happens after uh, the woman at the well, and the Samaritans are coming, and he tells the disciples as they're coming, the harvest is plentiful. But listen to this. Verse 35, chapter 9. It says, and Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers into the harvest. I think some of us take very serious the idea of praying for the laborers, and I I want to play play the other side of that. Please keep praying for the laborers to come because the harvest is plentiful. But I would also love the other side of that for people in this room to look at themselves, not as someone that's just asking for God to fill in a spot, but deciding I'm going to do that. I'm not going to just, I want to tell you, if you're going to always wait for the church to release you or to enable you, you're going to miss out on things that God's calling you to. God has is gifted and placed in this room people that have ministry call in their life. And I don't mean, and here, because sometimes I don't know, I don't want to do what you do. I want to stand in front of other people. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. I'm not talking about preaching on Sunday. I'm talking about God has called people in this room to connect to a ministry and spend their life investing in things that matter. But if we're going to do this, we're going to have to confess the gospel of self. And we're going to have to receive and ask for the gospel of the kingdom. And I I, I want to just say this is probably something that you will have to do the rest of your life. 
we naturally are selfish, self-centered people. And we will couch it in very many niceties of things that we do to say, oh, I'm not that selfish. But honestly, if we boil down most of the activities that we do, we do it for self. Anybody? Anybody want to just argue with me about that? Um, Because I know me. And I know that over and over again, I have to argue with the the other the self in me that's like no I don't want to I don't want to I'm going to hang out with some um, friends I'm in this little small group with F3 uh, we do meet throughout the week you can look us up on F3 uh, Bruco.com um, for locations free to all men um, but there a group of my buddies are going to a uh, hockey match which I'm I'm you know if you don't know me like I'm not really a sports guy okay that's a like a bad thing, and you're like, man, I'm not going to this church. It's all right. I'll never talk poorly of your team, if that, because I don't really care. Um, you know, I, you know, I think it's a benefit. I've got lots of extra time because I'm not spending it watching that stuff. Uh, but a, a group of them, the small group that I've been meeting with these guys every week for a year and a half. We're going to a hockey game today, and I'm just like, they kept texting about tickets and going, and I'm just silent because I don't want to go. It's in Raleigh. (laughs) I'm going to empty that baptismal, leave here and change and go meet somebody and drive to Raleigh to a hockey game and then drive back from a hockey game, and I'm going to go home late. And the selfish part of me doesn't want to do that. I want to go home, and I haven't been... You know, I want to watch whatever I want to watch. That that would be my Sunday afternoon, laying on the couch by myself, doing what I want to do. But the truth is, the call of God on you and the call of God on me is to say no to the things that I want to do for the benefit. These are great friends of mine. I mean, I've invested a lot of life with these five guys. And just because I don't want to go to this thing, um, the hanging out is going to be amazing. The car ride there is going to be hilarious. The time there is going to be hilarious. I'm going to be asking, like, what does this mean and what's going on? Um, And go Bruins. I think they're playing Bruins. I don't know. Um, I think. The Hurricanes. Um, I do know the two teams. I do have my ticket. But it, it is deciding. I want to invest. And actually, Thursday, they're like, they thought I had something going on. They're like, so why, why aren't you going? I'm like, I just, they're like, you don't have something going on? You're just choosing not to hang out with us? I'm like, Ugh. And then I tell my wife, I tell Jody, I'm like, Jody, man, they're giving me a hard time. She's like, well, they should. I thought you'd be on my side. She wasn't. She's like, they're your friends. You should be investing in them. And I'm like, love you. Um, so needless to say, I bought a ticket, um, and I'm going to a hockey game today. And I had no intention of talking about this. I didn't buy the ticket so I could use it as an illustration at church on Sunday. Um, But that's the gospel. The gospel, as long as your life is revolving around you, will be limited in its fruitfulness in you. But if you'll change what's going on in you, because this is something you're going to have to convince yourself. Because the truth is... And this is not the truth necessarily we live. The truth is that nothing other than the gospel matters. Nothing other than the kingdom of God matters. Everything else will be dust and gone. 
Everything that you're, every treasure that you have right now, every earthly possession that you have right now will be gone. It will not last. When you breathe your last, your, your descendants will fight over it. But the only thing that lasts forever is the soul of man. And at some point, we've got to decide that my selfish, self-centered nature is not giving me anything other than the same thing it always does, which it always leaves me wanting more. Every time we pursue, pursue self, every time I pursue self, I never get to the end of it and go, man, that was great. I just watched another season of something that I'll forget about in a few weeks. You know, I never look back and be like, man, I remember 10 years ago when I watched that season of a show that got discontinued and you never got the end of it and go, man, my life was changed. But if I invest in other people, I'm telling you, I got to talk. Um, I was a youth pastor for nine years before we moved here and planted the church. And spent a lot of time with students. I've got one of them I, I, I talked to this week. He's, uh, I think he's 31. They have four kids. He planted a church five years ago in Colorado Springs, and he's killing it. Every time I feel like, man, did I do anything as a youth pastor? He's my one, not, not my only one, but he's that kid that I'm just like, and he's not a kid. He's got more kids than me. You know this week, this week, last week, Talked to them this week, the week before last. Monday, they meet in a school set up and tear down like we do. Um, someone broke into the school, like got into the fence where their truck and trailer was, hotwired their truck in five minutes and left with $70,000. Truck, trailer, $10,000 truck, $10,000 trailer, and $50,000 worth of stuff gone. And you know what? Church still happened. They, 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 he said, we did a lot of work that week, but it's on. And, and what I come back to that is like that investment, this kid, he and I, when I was going to Bible college, I would pick him up and he, when he was like 15, was taking the same Bible college classes that I was. He probably did better than me. Um, but I picked him up and he ate at our house dinner every Monday night. And for the next like three years, he came over to our house every Monday night, ate dinner with us. I remember when he was going off to college and he was talking about dreaming about getting married one day, having these conversations. And that investment is worth more than anything else. That investment of people's life, even Anna Hardy, who... I have known she found our youth ministry, I don't know how many years ago. Um, her and her family moved down here 10 years ago. Investment in people matters. But we, we have to get this in us. So Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, which is crucial because we are still in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The only way that we're going to get this in line and become a people that disciple others is we realize it is no longer about us. Because let me just tell you, if you decide, hey, I'm going to, I want to be discipled or I want to disciple someone else, it is going to be a mess. You know how I can promise that? Because you're a person and they're a person and we're a mess. 
And it's choosing him. We can go back and listen to the last week's message on loving. We'll be known by how we love our brothers. And some of us, let's just admit it, are hard to love, including me. I, I thank my wife all the time that she chooses to love me. Oh, day in, day out. Almost 25 years later. I mean, there's, there's treasure in heaven for her. So let me, let, me, let me bring this home. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. So you can't be a disciple maker if you don't. You, that's step one. You've got to choose to be a follower of Jesus. And discipleship is literally just in agreement to say we're, we're in the same place, going the same way, and we're going to surrender to that. And part of it is if we're going to disciple others, we have to surrender ourselves to Jesus first and foremost and be changed by him. If we're spending time with Jesus, the mirror should reflect what's happening. Again, not perfectly, but we should be looking at ourselves going, look what God's doing in me. And we need to be committed to his mission. So the question is, are, are you following? Is your life being changed by Jesus? And are you on his mission? So my question for you today, does that describe you? And if it doesn't, does it bother you that it doesn't? Again, we, we talked about with, this, with the fruit message two weeks ago, there are seasons that you're in that change through the year. So we're not always going to be producing year-round, but there needs to be seasons that we're in preparation to begin again. Disciples follow Jesus, bear fruit, love others, and are on mission. One of the verses, as I was praying about planting this church, I guess it's about 12 years ago now, was this one out of Acts. Acts 18, 9 through 10. I'm going to give you a, a little bit before. And this was, a, this was specifically about Paul, because for him to go preach again was putting his life at risk. So this is a word that Paul is getting um, to encourage him to continue doing what he's doing. So it didn't completely fit into us because we're not necessarily being persecuted. But the last statement is what I felt like the Holy Spirit just said. This is, this is why I'm sending you to Leland. So let's, let's listen. Verse 9. It says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you. Listen to this. For I have many in the city who are my people. Jesus has many in this city that are his people. And I'm not just talking about that are calling on the name of Jesus, surrendered to Jesus already, but I'm talking about future children. One of the reasons why we came to the city is not because I remember I had a conversation with a, a guy that I knew from our old church. He had moved to Wilmington, and I was so excited about planting a church. I was so naive. <laughs> and I called him thinking he's going to be like, go, buddy. And you know what his first comment to me was? He's like, oh, good, just what Wilmington needs, another church. Thanks. Uh, and then we decided to plant Leland. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <clears throat> But the truth is, there are many in this city um, that are waiting to be awakened. They're waiting to be invited on this 
imperfect journey with Jesus, and they're waiting to get to know you. And I said this already, and I'll continue to say this. Uh, Acts 17, Jesus knows all the places that you're, you are going to live. So the house that you're in now, God put you there. He knew you were going to be there. And he's put people around you for that very reason. And some of you are like, Lord, why do you hate me? He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And some of you are thinking, well, you know, I, I chose this job. I, I regret taking this job, and this job is driving me crazy. And I'd like to tell you to others that God and his sovereign will has placed you in the place that you are. And there's discipleship opportunities in every single area of your life. Where in your neighborhood, in your homes, in your relationships, at F3, come on out. Um, They're there. But you have to be present. You have to decide, I'm going to say no to myself. And I'm going to buy into the gospel of the kingdom. See, God has many in the city that are his future children. And my question for you to, to leave this on, and I have one other statement, and then we're going to pray. Is will you learn to be a laborer? And will, will you choose even, because if you wait... Until you're ready, till you feel you're ready, you will never start. If you wait till you're ready to have children, parents, you know, you'll never start. If you'll wait until you've perfected yourself to get married, you'll never get married. And and we do all these things kind of like, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought. And I I want to say that is that you're never going to be ready to be a disciple maker. But if you're in love with Jesus and you're following Jesus, then that's what spiritual disciplines do. They, they make us more like him and, and people will want what you have when you allow him to work in you. Here's a little statement I saw, and I don't want to necessarily argue about this, but I want us to be committed to his mission, but not necessarily committed to a method. Sometimes we think, like, this is how you, like, we're doing a class with Greg and the Millers, and you'll think, man, this, this is the way to disciple. Now, I think we need to get some of the, the, the building blocks in place correctly. I'm not arguing theology here, but I'm saying there's methods that will work today, and they won't work 20 years from now. So we got to be more on board with the mission, and then the method for the how and how it works will change as we go, because if what didn't work in the past we need to figure it out not changing what we're teaching or saying or believing but the method for it so with that i do encourage you if you're like man i'm, I'm a little bit more hungry you can actually uh there's a i watched several of uh, bill hall h-u-l-l you can google him there's lots of videos of him on youtube and uh several of the ones that i found he actually had an epiphany he had been writing books on discipleship he had a conversation um, with, oh my gosh, um, I can't remember the guy's name. He had a conversation with this very well-known theologian um, that basically said, you've missed something in all of these books that you've written on discipleship, which was the gospel part. We've got to make sure that the gospel is the right gospel before we start talking about how we make disciples. So if you're hungry for this, Greg is in the back. He's just waiting. He's got pens ready. He's got stations lined up across. Um, 
is let's figure out how we can get on board with it. And let's decide that we're going to be disciples that follow. Because if you follow Jesus, he, he will change your life. And so what I'd like to do, I'm going to get our uh, worship team to come back up. Um, and we're going to close with a song. Um, and the beauty of us now waiting 10 minutes at the end of the service before we start breaking everything down is you've got plenty of time to go back there and meet some of the people that are leading these groups. I think... Uh, in a loose way, some of the best things that we do for discipling people here at Reach is in those groups. Because most of those groups are centered around the Word and people walking through the Word and learning, whether it's how to parent or whether it's um, discipling, whether it is all these other things. It is a great way to begin to stir that. So I recommend that you sign up for a group. Uh, my wife and I, just a shameless plug, um, are going to be um, housing the young pros at our house on Sunday nights at 6.30. So if you find yourself to be between the ages of 19 uh, and your early 30s, um, uh, we have a sign-up in the back. I'd love to have you there. We'll talk about what that's going to look like. We are going to be talking about discipleship uh, in this group. Um, so anyway, I feel like I just took advantage of my position up here to advertise ours. Yep. Um, so here's what, as I leave you out on um, this idea of following Jesus, um, if you're not, the beauty of it is, is that God's calling you to it. The beauty of it is that if you've messed it up royally, look at the disciples, Jesus still came back and said, hey, come here, learn from me. Let me, let me lead you and guide you. Let me take this yoke that you've placed on you that didn't fit, that didn't work, and, and put on my yoke. Because that's where life comes from. And I'm going to say the most, the most fruitful thing that you'll do in your life is investing in other people that will invest in other people. Like my, my one student, his name's Joe Adams that I mentioned earlier. Um, he's in a whole other state, influencing hundreds of people, leading staff. I mean... And he would, he would give me a lot of credit. I, I don't know that I could take as much credit as he probably gives me, but um, I was grateful to be a part of his life for that season. And all we're asking of you as a church is to be willing to invest your life in something that will last past this moment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, there is a daunting task ahead of every single person in this room that decides not only do they want to be a follower of Jesus and they want to learn to, to know you and to hear your voice and obey you, but for those that are saying, hey, I want to get on mission. Lord, I pray that today that there would literally be a call to mission to people in this room. Lord, I pray for those people that are, their hearts been burning for years. And they want to invest in things that matter. And Lord, I pray that our culture will change even inside of reach. That our esteem wouldn't be just for the things that people do, but the investment that they make in others. So, Lord, I pray for all of those that just struggle with this reality of following. Lord, the, one, the ones that are hurting right now because their life isn't reflecting what they want it to. 
Lord, we need your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that we would be people that are willing to repent and turn to you over and over and over again. Lord, let us experience the love and affection that you have for us as Father. That is looking to us as children, excited for the little steps that we make. Lord, help us see the fruitfulness of our lives turned over to you. Grow fruit. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be people that love like you love. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us be people that are on mission. Change us today. Put a hunger in us for this that we cannot ignore. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.